Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. <laughs> it would be a wolf spot, eh? Hi everyone, welcome to Wolves Fancast. Matt Guy here, joined by Rich, Adam and Stu to dissect the Leeds United result. Whilst it wasn't the drubbing of Manchester United, it was still an exciting uh, score draw and we're here to talk about that this evening. Hello gentlemen, how are we? Fair to middling, I suppose. Fair to middling, was that? At least I can speak better than I could on Thursday. I was going to say... You're going back to um, Sean Dice um, for uh, those older listeners of the show. Yeah, what happened five years ago? I did think it was happening again. Um, yeah. and when we did early plug for cage fighting, we, I was did the say, usually it get, we usually get to 65 minutes before we get the, uh, the cage <laughs> cage fighting nod. I'm, I'm quite happy we've got it inside 70 seconds. Yeah, it was it was a case of holding my throat to talk at times on Thursday. So I thought, well, I'll come on reserve, but I'll be okay. But it's getting there. Kids, well, we're glad to have you with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's in the lines? I want to check. Uh, but yeah, well, thank you everybody for joining us this evening. We are here to talk about the uh, score draw 1 1 with Leeds United. Um, a game that had all the potential to be an end to end spectacle and wasn't quite that, at least in the first half. But we'll discuss that in a bit more length a little later on. Um, Firstly, want to, as we always do, talk about the lineup. Really, Neves, it turns out, had a knock post uh, in the post-match presser. Uh, Marcel had a calf injury. Um, with that in mind, was the lineup something that really Bruno could only put out, or do you think there should have been any changes, or did you expect any changes prior to the match when you saw it at? Uh, 2 p.m. What did you think, guys? Adam, how about you? Um, to be honest, I um, I didn't even clock the substitutes bench, so I didn't even know that Marcel was injured at all. To be honest, I just thought he was dropped, and I thought he was mm. actually on the bench. Shows how much I pay attention to things. Um, so, uh, yeah, because I think the formation we wanted to go back to how we played before. Um, we had the enforced change, um, and the previous game and I thought well like flight really again I didn't know that Neves had a, a, a knock none of us really to have known that until after the game so I was a bit surprised to see that he was dropped initially before we found out the reason that um, other than that I think it's kind of just as it was largely expected you know I was expecting Traore to come back in with, with Twang and, and Jimenez um, mm-hmm. up front so for me it wasn't there wasn't really too much to to write home about it with regards to the lineup. I know some people have talked about you know we should look at formation changes and the old back five back four debates. Really, it's heavy again. Um, you know, some point we might get onto, but for me, like, content and happy with the, the lineup. To be honest, we all know we need mm. a bit of depth. Hence, we've got two keepers on the bench again. But that's that's another another story entirely, isn't it? It is, it is. Um, I'd be keen to know, Rich, from yourself, 
knowing how we got overrun quite a bit by Villa, um, despite divine intervention, it seems, um, securing us the win. Did you or were you surprised at um, any anything in that line in terms of the front line, the two in the middle? Were you surprised by that or were you, is it horses for courses? Don't change a winning formula, however, uh, however hard fought that winning formula is. Yeah, I mean, say no, knowing what we know, I guess, afterwards regarding Neves, I think a, a midfield duo of Dendonka and um, Martino is never going to give you a, a high level of industry. I, I think I made in my notes, we didn't have a busy body in there. Mm-hmm. And you're against the, probably the busiest, bodiest team in the league in, in Leeds United, no matter how overrated I think they might be. Um, and, you know, actually you look at how, where they are currently in the league and stuff like that, but they can still, you know, they can still overrun you if you're not careful. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it screams for strength and depth issue in midfield. We knew this, <laughs> it's bonkers. We've known this for like what eighteen months, two years. You could argue we've not had a fourth central midfielder. We knew it going into the summer transfer window. Um, we had Gibbs White, who I think, wh- whether or not he's not quite at the level, potentially he could have been someone who could have um, played in that position instead of Nevers and given us a bit of a bit of pace in the middle of the park because we just lack that dynamism and it was a it was a worry for me going into the game. Um I think we are I think eight Norway coming in. Um a lot of people, including myself, have been saying it, it's been needed. I think he showed what he could do. Um we'll touch on to that a bit later. But yeah, we I think as as Stu you've said before, you know, it should, it should be Neves plus one kind of going forward and if he's got a knock he shouldn't uh, should he be on the bench but he's only on the bench because if he's not on there then we've got we'll have eight subs of which two are goalkeepers and it's just a bit pathetic in terms of squad depth and Mm -hmm. you know we we don't have enough injuries to justify that that level of um you know squad number yeah well sure i'll be keen to know from you Bearing in mind, Johnny's return is never going to be a guarantee, unfortunately, in terms of he could step back on the pitch, but we don't know he's ever going to play properly again or there'll always be a doubt in fans' minds that he's going to get cropped again. Marcel, with a calf injury as well, is it just another area that we need to strengthen in January or are you happy with the rest of the campaign with with Aitnuri and Marcel as your two left-backs, left-wing-backs or however which formation we're playing? there's bigger priorities in this team, mm. this squad, than left-back. I mean, I know it, it all went tits up in the end, but Samedo can do a job at left-back. Hoover can do a job at left-back. Sace in an emergency, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It's it's just one of them. It's just unfortunate that we've got one who's probably knackered forever in Johnny, who's... I'd be amazed if he comes back to anywhere near what he was before, unfortunately. And Marcel, we already knew, was made out of tracing paper anyway, so... yeah. Fair play, he's made it nine games into the season. Oh, no, I don't know. I'd expect him to make nine minutes, yeah. let's be honest. And Vinagra's gone, so that's not going to happen. And we have got £20 million Ryan Giles to come back. So <laughs> in, with McCarthy being sacked, we could get him back in January, who knows? So it's in the end of the world, but it's nowhere near a priority. No, not for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well, moving on to the game itself. Um, not really a great deal to talk about in terms of quality, I suppose, in the game. Um, A a nice early goal, although some, based on the performance, would argue that you can score too early in football, as the cliche goes. Um, A goal, another goal for Huang, um, making his tally up to four, I believe it is now, um, Mm -hmm. for us so far. I don't think many would have um, had him as our top scorer nine games into the season, but a bit of a scrappy affair, but it was exactly what was needed um, at the time to get a foothold in the game. Did you think at the point of scoring, we were in the ascendancy? Were we lucky? What did you think of it, Rich? I think I think it was just sort of almost timed quite nicely. It didn't feel like it was hugely against run of play and things like that. And I mean, the goal itself, Samedo, very much made a goal. And it's been that quality in the final 30 is not, kind of shown on a consistent basis for Wolves in the last year. And we know he's got it because he did exactly what was needed to do 
um, you know, it wasn't kind of good enough if he just, he could have quite easily won a corner or throw in. Mm-hmm. But to do that extra little bit to kind of get it, progress into the box and pick out a man, that that's what's needed from him. And he needs to do that, you know, like two, three times a game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the system warrants from him, especially when, you know, he's had Marcel on the other side who doesn't do that. Whereas on Saturday, we had him and eight Nori really trying to drive into the box. Um, I mean, the goal itself, yeah, it was scrappy, but I found it interesting. You know, Frank seems to got a bit of a funny knack that if that ball's going to be in the box, he lo- he <coughs> wants to be, you know, at six to eight yards out. And mm-hmm. it, it's the same with five side. I'm crap at five side because I struggle to get that near to the box. And it, it's just like a bit of a knack to be as near to a goal as possible to have a chance to score. And, and he seems just to thrive on it, especially mm. when you've got him and Ezu. It all came to initially. He's, you know, he's taken a bit of swing at it and it's kind of ruffled through um, mm. for Huang. But, you know, I think I think the goal was deserved. It was bound, it was a, it was a strange game in those regards because Leeds kind of came with, you know, a bit of thunder and Wolves kept it steady but we didn't look under too much pressure at, at that point um, yeah yeah you know, so i think we kind of went into it in the right it, you know that that part uh, you know i don't feel like we we we'd robbed one as it were yeah well speaking about being under pressure i, I found some for a lot of the game we were kind of architects of our own undoing really because I felt like in the middle of the park, we were we were very wasteful in possession. Dendonka especially seemed like time was sped up just a little bit for him. Like he felt like he never he, he didn't have as much time as perhaps he did, and he had a few wayward passes here and there, and we, and was a bit sloppy in the middle. As the game progressed, um, Adam, did you think you know the, a goal's coming here for Leeds, or did you feel that we were holding on to the ball pretty well? It, with there might have been a wayward pass here and there, but. You know, we weren't we weren't threatened by Leeds, were we? Especially in the first half. No, yeah, the game itself was very low on quality. I thought as, as a whole, um, uh, after our goal, um, yeah, which said very well worked by Semedo. I know he's, he's a bit of a bad guy at the minute, but he did he was he did play his part for the for our goal. And I thought was he, he is he is a steady player anyway. I, I, I think there's a bit of bad narrative about him, but we'll get on to that. But the game, yeah, really low quality. There wasn't really many goal, you know, goal chances at all. As you say, the second half, <laughs> it's a weird one. It's frustrating because of how we how the game ultimately ended. But mm-hmm. also, it, a Leeds goal was also a, a matter of when, not if. I mean, yeah. the, the possession stats popped up. Second half, I think we're about was it, Leeds had 60 65 percent possession for the whole of the second half. And as you said, Matt, we just continually gave the ball away, and there were numerous culprits of that as well. Um, again, in doing that, players like Jimenez were just there in body only and not in spirit, they just they, they couldn't. Couldn't do it. Couldn't influence the game at all. Troy couldn't influence the game. Huang, well, all three, the whole front three were, you know, I, I unless you guys can remember differently, I can't remember influencing the game in any way, shape or form. The front three, as you kept saying, that the ball just kept giving, being given back to Leeds. I thought, given how the Villa game finished, we would have come into this game. We, rolling that up to rolling that momentum into into this game after mm. that after the first goal I thought oh yeah this is exactly what I kind of thought would happen so I, I understand for a two 0 win I thought it would be quite comfortable for us given Leeds's poor form injuries but after that goal we just like pulled the plug almost mm. like, like someone unplugged unplugged us from the mains essentially I just yeah. didn't really feel as if we were ever going to offer any threat Leeds had a couple of half chances, so I made a good save, but I, it, it just, as you said, Matt, it just picked up through the second half when I just said at the time, it, it goes, just, feel, it just feels like it's coming, yeah. it feels like we can't contain what's going to happen. We just, it was like we just couldn't, we couldn't get out of the trenches, so to speak, and mm-hmm. I find it almost a bit shocking, because I said, <laughs> Leeds aren't in great nick. They're not, no. 
And, you know, we, we've got such strong players who can play on the counter-attack and, you know, Troy in particular kind of frustrates me in this regard because I think a lot of it is that bit of positional sense that they're under pressure so they drop deeper and it makes it hard for them to go at the pitch. But we've got one of the fastest players in the league who his best moments in the wall shirt have been him on the last man. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he just, you know, play, if he kind of just goes a bit further forward, it's going to make them have more question marks. And yeah, yeah it's like we, it felt like we almost gave him a bit too much respect. And I said, I know they, I know they, but they've got a slightly, would you say they've got a unique style of play leads? <laughs> they like to think that they have. Um, it's, I don't know what exactly the point is for a lot of the time. It's a lot of chasing after nonsense and it didn't work. And it, I think what they came up against in that wall side yesterday was, it was similar at Southampton away, at Villa away for 80 minutes as well. The sloppiness in passing was just atrocious. And as bad as we were at giving the ball away, they had nowhere to run around and chase because we were we were guilty of our own mistakes all the time. So mm. we were already in positions where they couldn't do their usual thing to us. Like they have them in the, when we, we did them last season by a smashing grab really. And they were all over us mm. last season. And this time it, it like we've already said, it, it never felt difficult because it was a scrappy game in the middle of the park against two teams who couldn't keep the ball. And with very few chances created. I mean, for us, like you, you just mentioned Troy Ray. I thought Troy Ray was pretty shocking yesterday yeah. compared to, I mean, Villa, yeah, he's one-on-one, which he inevitably missed because that's what he does. But other than that, he was the architect behind all three goals in a way. So I thought, well, okay, benefit of the doubt. He's done well, but yesterday he was completely anonymous. Mm. And you couldn't really just blame him because all three of them didn't have a ball to to create something from nothing for themselves. But when you're looking for someone to pick it up and like you said, take the ball forward, you got one player there who's in the team to do just that. And he was nowhere. Mm, you're right. You're right. Um, obviously we need to talk about the, uh, the penalty. Um, Stu, I know you and me are pretty uh, much think the same on this one. While soft, it definitely is a penalty. There's a push. And, and Samada was forced the referee to make a decision, in my humble opinion. Do we have any uh, disagreement with that, Adrich? Um, would you argue it isn't a penalty full stop? Or do you think it's um, a bit of naivety from Samada to force the referee to have to make a choice, either yay or nay? Because I think we can all agree the officiating for both sides was pretty shambolic yesterday. So to give the, to give the referee a chance to give Leeds something is, is naive, is it, is it not? Go on, Ad. I'll let you ultimately, go first. Like, I mean, ultimately, um, Samedo comes off as the, as the full guy on this, but that the, the guy, that Gelhart, the guy, the, the young lad who come on, he, he, he helped change the game for Leeds as well. And he, mm-hmm. I think, he danced past about three players before he got before Samedo had the chance. I mean. If you actually go now onto Joe Gelhart's Wikipedia page, someone's amended it to say that he made his debut against Wolves yesterday and and come on and uh, sent Ruben Neves for a hot dog before winning <laughs> the penalty. But, because and I do remember that when he come on, he uh, and, and, and Neves come on for the last what five minutes was it? I think Neves come on for and um, when Gelhart had the ball, he went past Neves as if he wasn't even there, and then Cody was. He got into the penalty area. Cody was effectively too scared to touch him, and then Samedo has found himself wrong positionally. Um, he's done what all he, all he could do. He looks a bit. He looks a bit soft. He looks even softer when you slow it down. But ultimately, he's he got himself into a position where he's, he's got himself in, in trouble. He's um, gone like that. He's leaned so, in. He's, it was the arm movement for me that that's what's done it. Yeah. Yeah, if it yeah. didn't be so ridiculous, if if it was a tangle of legs, you could kind of think, well, it's accidental. That might be, if that was a VAR call, then they wouldn't give it. But he's leaned into him with his arm in his back. However soft it is, you can't do that. It's just yeah, stupid. I think, I think that's it. Like as, as soon as his arm kind of comes into play and he's not quick enough or strong enough to get in front of him and shield the ball, which is what he's trying to do. 
but um, God, so uh, so quick and it's a difficult one to do in the box, but he can't step across him. So he puts his arm across. You're never going to get it right. He's on his weaker side anyway. You know, the body movement kind of didn't match up. I don't quite know what Samedo could have really done otherwise because he'd have had to have like completely like disengage, I guess. Mm. Um, Otherwise he'd just be like swinging a leg and that would have been a penalty still. Um, But at the same time, considering SARS form Mm. in the build up to this game and in the run up (laughs) and the fact that Gelhard's left footed as well, he's done all that hard work, you know, maybe not quite let him have a shot, but, maybe back the keeper instead of doing it. I, I don't know. It, it, it's a bit soft. VR is never going to turn it round. I don't necessarily blame Samedo, you know, be it, you know, he's not the architect of our downfall or anything like that. It's one of those. However, he does have a little bit of a track history, doesn't he? Of late <sighs> lapse of concentration in a way. He did it against Villa last season. I don't know. I, I think it's he's he is just unfortunate uh, on yeah. this one, isn't he? He's, uh, it's, yeah, it's just one of them things. I mean, I, I didn't realise because I had a little little bit of a cat nap on the way home, um, and then I checked Twitter and it was all oh, it's all smart. I, I thought, oh, no. just go back to sleep. There's no point talking to these idiots that are about it because they've, they've been they've been. It's almost like some of them have been waiting since last mm. season when they're only mm. watching on telly and he had made mm. a few mistakes. They've been waiting yeah. to get to him and. That's the one thing he's done up wrong all season. I mean, he's been, like you said, Richard, earlier in the, in the episode where he was the architect of the goal. Him bombing forward, like he did for Barcelona, is the, what, the reason we took the lead. And being hamstrung by that moron last season and making him into some kind of defensive wing-back, which is what he's not, it's, it looks like it's took this long to kind of couch it out mm. to him saying, oh, you actually can go forward, you know. Um and I was really impressed. Narrative, though, does it? <laughs> Doesn't no, it's yeah. a narrative with some people though? Like some people make their opinions based on what what it, what Samaya's first few games were for us last season, and then mm. it just sticks, doesn't it? And it's very hard in some fans' eyes to change their opinion, or you know, for Samaya himself to shake that opinion off. Mm. I was going to say, if, if you're looking for people to, fine. if you're looking for people blame for the goal, it'd be say one of the four players who Gohard, you know, completely turned inside out in the last minute. Um, yes. You know, I don't, I don't particularly like blaming players for goals, but you know, yeah, he was going to gave away the penalty. But as I say, I feel you feel like we could and should. If we're going to commit a foul, just do it at the start where he does the pivot and make mm. make it. You know, either mm. make him have a free kick from twenty five yards out, or they have to try and cross it in and say. Lee's a good enough players for, for over a penalty spot, despite the likes of Bamford missing and things like that. And I say, I think balance of balance of play, things like that, draw might even be a fair result. Would you say? I think a draw is absolutely yeah, a fair yeah. result. To be honest, um, that's yeah. why it's you know, it was a record amount of time for me to not to, to get over the disappointment of it. Almost by the time I'm back at the dry salters in my car. I was kind of over the result because it was absolutely fair, to be honest. It didn't, it, it didn't feel like a huge weight of disappointment. Um, very quickly, I just want to talk, uh, let's talk about Safe Baby, um, because it was, firstly, the positives. I think Sace has made, always got Eight Nuri off the hook personally in this game for me. I think he did a lot of mopping up for Eight Nuri and, and, and spared his blushes on a lot of occasions. Um, and he did the dirty work well, Sace. He put his body on the line a lot and, and made some industrious tackles um, when he had to. One especially, which in the ground I didn't think a lot of, but you know, seeing the highlights since um, the challenge on Rafinha that ended up Rafinha ended up getting substituted for, I believe, was it a red in the cold light of day? You know, if you were trying to take off your Old gold tinted spectacles. Could you? Could there be a, a claim for a red card there? Anybody want to be the full guy on that decision? It's hundred percent a red card. <laughs> I mean, like you, I, I couldn't understand what all the fuss was about. I thought, well, mm. it's it's handball. What you what are you crying for? I didn't see. I didn't. It didn't. It looked nothing to me. Yeah. Uh, until I've got home and watched match today. I've cut last night and yeah, 
and you can't be do tackling like that in 2021. It's just silly. It's over, it, it might be accidental, but it's reckless and it's a red card. Simple mm. as. I can't believe they didn't. He didn't even go. Well, I can't because they're completely inept. But the fact that there was no even talk about checking red card from VAR just completely baffling. And for the fact while well, we were at it, a, a, a change on Raul earlier on as well, where he was just completely wiped out and there was, it wasn't even a foul. It was, it was another one of them in the context of the game and how useless they are. It's no surprise, but seeing it in the cold light of day, it should have been, it should have been off. Mm. Yeah, I think that was fair. Um, yeah, I've very not, well. Um, I've not saw on. the. I've not saw it. Sorry, I've not, I've not saw it back since um, since watching it real time. But I have saw the still images online, and um, it's it's not it's not great, but it's it's something you kind of half expect from from Roman says. Mm. Could could you argue certain, that certain certain parts? I was going to say but, to be a bit. I guess obtuse. My my word of the show uh, this week. Um, could you argue it's two yellows, one for the handball, one for the flying legs? Because I know, like he's taken as two separate actions. He's kind of flung out at Rafinha, but at the same time, he's stopped the movement. You could argue that. I, I, I'm not quite sure if I define it as a complete nailed on red card. I, I like Stu said, the um, you know the fact that it didn't go to VAR was a little bit surprising, especially as Rafinha got injured. Like you'd have thought they'd have had a little look just mm. in case. Well, I mean, I'm being a bit silly when I'm saying it should have been two yellows. Um, but it's I it's a bit like enough happened did it to round it out. You know, just. I add a little bit of meat to make the tackle into a bit more. So it was just it was just bonkers. It was just really bad defending, I guess. It's a bit like the um the Harvey Elliott one at Island Road as well, where yeah. I was kind of out on my own saying that was a red card, which it wasn't well, rescinded. It wasn't yeah. rescinded, was it? They they said no. yeah, three match ban because by the letter of the law, not the spirit of the game. Letter of the law, it was a red card, and mm. that looked innocuous at the first at first glance as well. Which is why it's equally baffling when it's in the same ground and so basically the same area, same place. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Um. Hmm. I mean, it's 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 one really. I mean, it's to our to our benefit, and on the other side of the, the coin, you know, we we had. We rode our luck and we were the recipient of a iffy call later on in the game. We probably evened it all out. Um, one thing I suppose that was a factor for me, the whole game then, because we had three on a yellow, was I was perplexed that we didn't make any substitutions until roundabout was it like the 80th minute or there and thereabouts. Um, it's been a bit of a criticism for me over the last few games we've um, with Large that I feel that he either doesn't, he isn't pulling the trigger quick enough with a change or worse, he doesn't know what change he wants to make until it, and then it becomes a roll of the dice and it becomes almost school, school-like and you will just throw as many attackers on as possible and then let them run around like we're playing a game uh, five-a-side or something. However, for balance, is this because his hands are tied due to squad depth? Because he hasn't got a lot of toys at his disposal on the bench, or a lot of quality at his disposal on the bench at all times, am I being harsh? What do you guys think? You know, is, think... is there an element of Bruno not having that tactical now, or is it are his hands tied? I think it's a bit of both because you know we're talking about the starting lineup, and there is a couple of square pegs in round holes to a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, with you know, we have sort of change formation, so like Daniel Podence doesn't quite fit into this 3-4-3. I don't think he might he might be able to play on the left wing, but would you play him over Traore and um, and Huang? Maybe not. He doesn't look suited out wide, so you probably have to stick him in a more floating position. And he, If you're going to bring on certain players, you need to commit to the formation you're going to play, which means changing the entire shape of the team, which might be what you need to do. Mm. But... The, the side, the other side of that is, you know, the, the, like the free attack-minded players we have on the bench, all playing a slightly different style. So you could bring on, let's say, you bring on Podence and you shift 
shift formation one way, but then you have to bring on, you know, you might bring on silver and it shifts it almost back into a slightly different way. And there doesn't seem to say be a coherent joint of thinking that either we can play the same formation with different players to give them, you know, fresh legs, the system's working, but the players are, you know, the players are tiring. Or the other way around is the, you know, we change formation seamlessly in game using a different player and give them something else to think about. And you say we kind of stall mm. and they don't, it almost takes too long to kind of go, oh, well, you know what? And, and to be fair, it came through injury, but, you know, ain't nor we having to go off. And just little things like that probably don't help the process. And say with, with centre midfield, the fact that, you know, we're having to bring on Neves, you know, with, with little time left, he's carrying a knock because we haven't got any extra legs to go midfield. You can, you said it's screaming for something else earlier on. Mm. It, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Um, I think it is. It, I think you know. I, I, you did, look at I did wonder. I did. I did, I did wonder, like, because um, Matinho got booked very, very, very early in the game, didn't he? And I did think at, at, at the time the match was on live that. Why isn't Neves come on? Because Matinho, you know, he did a couple more fouls since then. I thought, why are we not making a change? But you remember what Bruno said at the end of the transfer window when we didn't get anyone in. He says, yeah, I've got Matinho, Neves and Dendonka, but they all want to do the same thing. Mm. So essentially, what you know, what, as, and Matt, the point you alluded to, are we, are we by squad depth? Well, yeah, we are in a way because he's got three centre midfielders there who he said, do exactly the same job. So if he's going to change it, then it's just like for like, and there's not, there's not going to be any difference in, in the style that we play. Yeah, we've got an abundance of options up front that we can change the front three any any which way you like with mm-hmm. Trincao, Pedence and Silver sat on the bench. But as we've already alluded to yesterday, that, that wasn't really the problem, the front three, that they just weren't seeing the ball for a start, getting get anything created for them. So yeah, the problem just lie in midfield. And the fact that we didn't get anyone in, Bruno doesn't to change it and the options. I mean, we're not going to really bring Pedence or Trincare on and put them centre midfield. That's just not going to work. So, yeah. What I mean, what 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 are we what are we asking him to do other than change, completely change the formation and and do something radical? Well, it, it goes the other way though for me. Stu, I'd like to get your thoughts on this because. What what highlights it to me the the Brentford game where and I know this is matches and matches and matches ago and it's all in it's all ancient history now but the, when we end up getting that many attackers on the pitch no one knows where they're going and no one knows what they're doing and it's all it's everyone's just running forward and chasing the ball like headless chickens that's not good game management to just to just to do that and I think that won't be the first time we see that and that won't and 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 there are other strange tactical decisions that go on mid-game. Stu, are you, uh, you know, uh, I know you don't like to, uh, you know, make any kind of rash, radical uh, statements on this podcast, but what, are you, what is your thoughts on this? Am I talking that way, Ars, or is there, a, is there a point there? I think we will see that again, because I think that was more of a statement of, look at the mess you've left me in, hmm. and than anything else, and it was just, let's just throw everything at it and see if anything sticks, because that was, it was a shambles that day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, by every week that goes on, the whole Renato Sanchez lie just comes back to bite us in the arse more and more. Yeah. I mean, that's it was just absolutely shambolic. Anyone with a with half a brain knew that, that it was absolute bollocks what they said. And lo and behold, he's back straight away. Mm. The whole thing about um, Botman five million five million quid difference. Why? What difference does it make? And that whole them two mistakes have kind of screwed our whole. I mean, it's amazing we've got the results that we've got. To be honest, mm. and. We're at the stage now where, like Price said, we, you are changing like for like, so the performance is not going to change. And I think after the first three games where we played well and didn't get anything, it's kind of, well, thought, well, we'll shut up shop a little bit and go back to what these players know mm. because that's all we can do. Because I think that's fair. Front, forward-wise, we've got the players to play a 4-2-3-1 easily. And I think there's a couple of players in the squad that thrive in that kind of situation. But we've got two, we've got three midfielders. <laughs> And that's that's where it comes down to. We've got three central midfielders. One's older than even Andy, and um, <laughs> and then one's shit. So you're left with Neves to do everything on his own, and mm. leave Matinho doing all the legwork. At his age, it's just madness. And 
no one knows where Bruno Jordão is if he ever comes off the bench. Um, it seems like he's been waiting there forever since that Europa League game. That's the last time we saw him. And you, then you're looking at Luke Kundal, or you, you put in someone else. I mean, you look, we're crying out, even Conor Rowan scored for St. Mirren, St. Mirren today against Rangers, and you think, well, good, yeah, think, yeah, well, there's another one playing in the Scottish Premiership. Well, when we're pissing about with midfielders who are all fit, and I'm not saying go and get him back, but it's just the whole thing, you can't lay the blame slower squarely on Bruno Large because he was fucked over in the transfer window. Mm. Okay. That's it's absolutely true, like, isn't it? Um, what you've said there, like that um first what three first first three, four games of season, we were like what notching up twenty shots a game or more, coming away with nothing. Mm. But luckily, by the way, as we were, and then we've almost yin and yang, don't we? We've gone mm. the other way and now we're hardly having any shots, relatively speaking, but we've come away with quite a good recent set of results haven't we so yeah. it's i think there's a bit of truth in what you know in what Stu says there that we've, we've, he's looked at it and gone i think we need to rein in you know the, the gun coke style just a little bit maybe on the old football manager slides take it back from all out attack just take it one notch back just to attack mm. and uh you know just because it, it's what yeah that's what, what we've all seen we've not been playing as pretty as stuff or exciting stuff as we were first few weeks of the season but the results of have improved that night from the first mm-hmm. first few weeks. I have. What a what a dark dark world when Stu Hall talks sensei. Um, so just before we uh, go to a break, we did put a poll out on um, our Twitter page asking what we were most disappointed about on um, for the game or most annoyed about, I should say. Um, the performance fifty um, percent. Uh, the result got notched up fourteen percent. The penalty twenty four percent. The midfield in 12%, so I'm in the minority there as I voted the midfield. Um, the performance, 50%, would that have been the overriding factor for you, uh, gentlemen, uh, just to finish off um, very briefly, please? Was it the overall performance that annoyed you the most about that? Um, or would you say the penalty decision that caused the draw, would you say, was the more annoying thing for you? I think that the p- performance for a, a few weeks has not really been great, to be honest. And like I mentioned earlier, the, I mean, I've kind of semi-slagged off the away support as well, being kind of, it's all day trippers and the, it's not as loud as it has been. And there has been a bit of a malaise, yeah, we've in, settled in the Premier League now, it's not as exciting as that first game against Everton, blah, blah, blah. But I think how drab the performances have been, other than the last 10 minutes against Villa and Jimenez's wonder going at Southampton and things like that, just getting us out of the shit. Overall, the performances have not been good. And mm. I, I think it is... I'm not blaming him because he has to do what he has to do. And like I've already said about his hamstrung. But it is. I think it is a case of... It's a hangover with these players who've played Nuno's way, who, which was then terrible for the last 18 months he was here. Uh, but that's the only way they know how to play when they're settled and they're, they're confident at the back. Mm. And I think until we get players in which he's struggling through until January at this point, I don't see what much else he could do without sacrificing a bit of defensive stability. It's mm. just one of them. So it is a performance that pissed me off, but I can understand why it's happening. Okay, fair enough. Now that's fair. Um, Rich, in brief, give me something from a performance point of view as a positive from the game, something we could take away and cherish and we can water and watch grow over the season. Anybody that stood out for you? Who would I give my watering can to this week? Um, it's tough, yeah, isn't just, it? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I mean, Sar, some, Sar pulled Sar, off, uh... I was going to say, you know what, Sar or Aitnori? I think, you know, Aitnori's got his weaknesses as a player, and it's almost the contrasting ones to Marcel in a way. But, you know, that drive into the box in, in in the second half when we were getting pegged back showed what he's about. For someone who hasn't really played a whole lot of football this season, but Saar, again, he's someone who's just quietly continuing to impress every week. Mm, and, yeah, he is. you know, we, we talked a lot in the off-season about, well, we didn't really think it was necessarily a, a downgrade. And I've spoken in recent weeks about, um, you know, he's, he's about fourth or fifth choice for Portugal and things like that. But... He is just someone who is just doing for business um, at, at the moment and doesn't seem to really make mistakes. Um, 
and 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 is just a really solid goalkeeper at this level for us at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, just gotta hope he kind of continue, continues to push on, and he's got a badass car as well. If anyone saw, oh yes, that he has. Um, Adam, last word, um, last word on the game from you. Any performances in the rival shirt that you actually uh, were impressed by? Anybody on the lead side of things that you thought mm, they've impressed today? I think you already mentioned with Gelhart. Yeah, Gelhart. I think he really helped change the game. I've, I mean, I've never known anyone. Any, any ever come through the Wigan Academy, but this guy <laughs> come through the, Wig, the Wigan Academy. I, I, well, let, let's let's address the obvious. Didn't even know that Wigan had an academy, but there you go. Um, but yeah, I think these have signed him. I think this summer it looks it looks quite a handful. Albeit this is like his, his debut, so we're only going off like the, the, the short time on pitch. But um, all I was one Rafinha is a danger man. Um, for the game yesterday, and yeah, he's, he is obviously quality. But when when Gelhart come on, I thought, oh, here we go. This, this guy really put, put some shockers into into our defence. But again, he was the one really that stood out for me. And what is at the minute quite a bit of a poor labouring mm. lead team, to be honest. So yeah, he was, just, he was the one shining light for that there you go thank you very much so we're going to take a short break now and when we come back we're going to discuss formations uh the build-up to the everton game and then we'll have a little twitter corner action so don't go anywhere Hi everyone, Matt from Wolves Fancast here. If you're anything like me, time is of the essence these days. How am I meant to take training with my wonder kids on the managerial football simulation game that I'm not allowed to mention for legal reasons if I'm too busy worrying about my online media presence? Well, that's where our friends at PixelYetiMedia.com come in. They're not just web designers. They're a creative agency that cover all of your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. So go check them out at PixelYetiMedia.com Media.com. They'll get you set up quicker than a Dharma Traore running at a terrified left back. Speaking of which, who's got my baby oil? Welcome back, everyone, to Wolves Fancast. Thank you very much for listening to us this evening, morning, or afternoon, whenever you're listening to us or where you're listening to us. Um, so I wanted to talk formations before we dive into the Everton um, game. Um, of course, make sure you're listening to Fancast Fridays for a more in depth preview. Um, Dan is doing excellent work over on that side, so make sure you've got your um, yourselves ready for that. But there's been talk over the last 24 hours uh, now about formations and the fact that 5-3 at the back isn't producing the kind of performances now to justify its existence, I guess, um, and that a move to 4 at the back would much more suit Largely's vision of how he wants us to play. We talked about it in the first half of the show, really, in that his hands are tied in terms of some of the players that he has at his disposal. But should, bearing in mind, the African Cup of Nations will be on our doorstep quicker than we know it. Look at maybe short-term pain in putting ourselves at four in the back and and working through some of the um, problems that that brings because of an almost forced change that we're going to have to make with the likes of... Sace leaving for the African Cup of Nations. Um, who wants to go first? Ad, what do you reckon? Do you think we should be kind of looking at four at the back now and 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 going for something that which we, we will eventually be going for anyway, it seems? Um, yeah, we've, we've tried this, haven't we, in the, in the past, well, fleetingly in the past. Um, like you say, we're going to have it forced upon us in one way or another. In January, because say it's the nice year in Bali is um, going to be heading off, mm. and obviously Bolly's um, brought some issues to the table recently in the fact that he's not as reliable now as he mm, yeah. as he once was. You know, he was for the first three years he was always never present for us, and now I don't know if it comes with age or, or whatever, but it seems to be that end last seasons, especially this season, he's just not. He's been more spotted in the treatment room than on the pitch, unfortunately. So he's getting a bit unreliable for us in that sense. Um, obviously, we've talked about say it's been upgraded anyway. So where does that leave us formation-wise? Well, I mean, if we if we want to get an extra body in midfield, are we are we going to 
play all three of our central midfielders in in one go in this is it in field. Yeah. I mean that's another option to, to contend with and then I mean normally obviously found a member of the King Kilman club with Stu and he's been ever present this season he's not let us down at all this season and Cody polarises opinion so if we go to a back four would you potentially we'll be looking at say a Kilman Cody partnership in the first instance pending any January enforcements but it's something that potentially I would like us to to do in fact I, I would like us to go to a four at some point because I think that the, the five at the back, I think, is kind of takes running its course almost, and we've sort of saw how much it can stunt us going forward. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's something that I think with potentially it could be an attacking back four. We're having Samedo and Eight Nori as, as your full backs long term, and then Odin Kilman as the first choice centre centre halves initially. I guess it could go one way or the other, couldn't it? Really, when you think about it, it could. But... It, it could. It, yeah. I mean, with with Eight Nori and Samedo bombing on, and you absolutely overload the midfield. Then with 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 five, so you three in the middle, and you and you know the aim of the game will be to win the ball back. The second you lose it, um, if this was FIFA, be press after possession loss would be the setting. Um, you know, to win that ball back as soon as you can, overload them, and then and then you then you hit again. The, the danger there, I suppose, would be if the ball got through, then you're faced with. Kilman a little harsh, but Cody isn't the most mobile or the most strong in terms of a one-on-one um, someone coming at him, striker coming at him. Stu, I would argue that Dendonka would be helped massively by having two extra players with him in the midfield, and I think that it would suit him a lot better. Um, therefore, it might it, it wouldn't be as impactful having your three central midfielders on at all times. When one of them gets injured, then of course we're knackered. What do you reckon? What, what happens to you in this scenario? The noose. Um, yeah. I, I wasn't seeing it like that at all. I was seeing it more of a case of it's going to be Kilman and Cody anyway we, because we've got no choice until mm. January the 1st or whatever. Um, but is that any worse than Kilman, Cody and Sace? It's not as terrifying as it probably once was for me because mm. if you're playing it, if you're going back to how Kenny... Long-term listeners, uh, if you're going back to the uh, Kenny Jacket used to play in League One with the with the four-two-three-one, and you're looking at say Neves and Dendonka, but then having a front three, so you've got someone in the Michael Jacobs role, um, that Pedence get Gibbs White back and play him in his actual position in January, like it should have done last season. Um, play Huang there, but play Fabio there. The extra man in midfield would be more of attacking threat for me rather than playing mm. the three midfielders that we've got so but like you said from a from a wing back point of view they can still go and bomb on but if you've got two holding midfielders one of them dropping back when one of them one of the two wing backs has bombed forward then you've got you've got your protection there anyway so yeah from that point of view i i, I can't see us playing a 4-4-2 i think that's impossible with the, with the squad that we've got but 4-2-3-1 i wouldn't be against at all not at this moment in time not not how the performances have tailed off anyway recently mm. It's worth giving it a try. Stu, I would, I would, Stu, I would love it if Bruno said to someone like Troy, I want you to play the Michael Jacobs role. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please be... I was going to say, Troy, please be more like James Henry. I, I'm, I'm sick of telling you. I mean, to be <laughs> fair, if, hey, if we had James Henry knocking in crosses, I'm just saying. Best, I'm just saying, best hair. I mean, it's still... Still the best hair beer combo we've seen at Wolves in, in many a moon. Um, but my tidbit for the conversation are we, if you take aside our lack of depth in centre midfield and frankly in most positions, are we rolling out playing a back three with Dendonka in there? Yes, at all costs. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I, to be fair, I think it, I, 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 I do like Dendonka, but I can't remember the last time he had a really good game and he often plays like a centre midfielder when he plays at centre back and a centre back when he plays in centre midfielder but if we're worried about the gaps at the back in a in a back four surely having him there who kind of knows what he's doing is better than that but 
it, it still feels we are just one player short and we are just sort of moving a you know, literally just moving around a pawn. Yeah, um, he's, to try he's, more, he's more of a hindrance than a help. And by yeah. doing that, you're moving Kilman across when he's been player of the season on the right side of defence. Yeah. So. I know, it's... It, 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 it screams that we just don't quite have the personnel to do the things that are sort of needed. What What is refreshing, though, is having a manager who has been relatively outspoken. Mm-hmm. Mm, um, yeah. a, a about sort of saying we need more players we need them in these sorts of areas if you want us to play different styles then then we can need another centre half you know um, he's, he's not you know but, but Bolly we just can't rely on at the moment you know may, maybe our uh, maybe peak six will help us find a player yeah, I don't know <laughs> um, maybe maybe you know, it's, uh, we'll see well, building up to the um, the Everton game ahead, um, they had a shocker of a result, didn't they, against Watford? That was an uh, accumulated buster, if there ever was one. Um, I'm hoping that we can capitalise with with an early goal or an early um, uh, something, some some positive that makes their fans just turn because they don't, you know they don't want him in in the first. They don't want Rafa in, do they? Everton, they're looking for any excuse to like march him out the door. Um, do you guys think for for that game we'll see kind of more of the same? Were you happy with more of the same, or do you think over this week, um, you know, he'll be he'll be trying to get them a little more composed, a little bit more? You know, there are talented, talented technical players in this team, and I don't think we saw that against Leeds. What do you think Bruno will be saying to the team on the build up to this game, Stu? <laughs> I've got a feeling it's going to be an absolute dire game, to be honest. And what, looking how, how terrible Everton were defensively, admittedly only on match of the day, but whenever Rafa teams have had a mare, it's always back to the drawing board and it's always mm. defensively solid first. And if we're going to continue playing with a back five, I can see being a, a proper cancellation session. And it's going to be, which I hope I'm completely wrong, but I've just got no real hope for that Monday night football fest. That we all hope it will be Monday, like the lights. I like it. Edward, what would you be uh, doing if you were uh, Bruno and the backroom staff? What would you be saying to get them G'd up for this one on a cold, bitter first of the oh. Bovril weather games? I oh, know it's, it's as soon as as soon as you got moved to Monday night for telly, my, my, my shoulders just sank down because I just I knew what it's going to exactly what Steve said, exactly what it's going to be. Monday night, no one's going to really be up for it. It's, Rafa teams aren't exciting. The, the door, well, he's an overly tactical manager. It ain't going to, it's not going to be pretty. And as you said, you know, the, the fans, the fans, I, do you know what? Whenever I watch an Everton game on telly, I have to keep checking that I've not accidentally pressed the mute button because <laughs> their fans, obviously, they, 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 just, they don't say anything. It's not just a Rafa thing. They're just that. The most most dullest fans I've ever known in my entire life, Everton fans. They just, they just don't say do anything in, in the in the ground. So that I just said they're not going to be behind Rafa when they come to Molineux on, on Monday. And I did watch the, the match today game, and uh, he he took off the most exciting player, Anthony Gordon, and the, the crowds obviously yeah. jumped him straight away, booing him straight away. I know he brought on Charleston, who then scored, but then obviously Everton then went on to let in three straight <laughs> straight after that. Mm-hmm. So. The fans clearly aren't behind the manager. They never will be. The team, their their team is has got quite a lot of talent in it. But I know it's when when Rafa was at Liverpool, he, he's overly overly tactical. He'll overthink things quite a lot, and he'll he'll make things hard. He make games harder for himself. So what I hope we do is we just quite simply play to our strengths, just like. Mm-hmm. Get the ball out to the players of the wide who can make it ha- make things happen, like Traore, like Huang, and just stick to the back. I'll just stick to the basics, really, which sounds like what Rafa might do, as mm-hmm. Sue said. But I think it's quite a simple thing for us to do, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not going to be any, a slug knocker at all. I think that if you know, it might be one game, one goal if we're lucky, to be honest. But um, we're just going to have to grin and bear it and get our bottles down, like you're saying. That's right. Well, Rich, um, as someone that wears a jumper all year round, no matter the weather, how does so, how does one warm themselves up for 
Monday Night Delight like that. Are we talking Bovril? Are we talking, is it Long John season yet? Thermal socks. Talk me through your attire, what you reckon for the game to keep you warm. I don't think we're at Long John season, are we? Let, let, let's be honest. It's, it's gone cold. We, we felt the cold snap and still not there. I've not got I've not got my woolly hat out yet or anything like that. Um, so I don't think we're quite there. But I get the feeling Monday night, the clock sort of changed, won't they, by then? Yes, so, will, yep. Yeah, so... It's gonna be it's gonna be a cold one. I reckon if you go in, yeah, get get bovril or I like a, you know what, I like a coffee as well. Admittedly, they're brown hot water in <laughs> rich grounds. But, do, um, do you have those things where you you, you pull your hands where you snap and they keep they get warmed up and keep your hands warm? Yeah, particularly if they're shaped it. as a hand. I'll only get them if they are in the shape of a hand. Otherwise, it's a no-go. I might as well be sucking on toes. Um, well, well. <laughs> topical. Right, right, Scalzi. <laughs> 50, 54 minutes, I've been trying to wait, wait to get that in there. What opportunity to get that on, where, yeah. you, Where do you stand on fingerless gloves, Rich? Hmm. Um, personally, doesn't do it for me. I... I I've got a nice pair of like, leather gloves. What 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 would what, be what would be the need for me to have in, fingerless gloves? In the red room, I've got, I've, I reckon. I've got, I've got <laughs> like a, you know woolen pair as well. <laughs> I mean, fingerless you know. gloves. The, the the bit that you want to keep the warm are your fingers. Your palms are already relatively warm anyway, so you can get, get if you're worried about touch, if you're worried about touchscreen phone, you can get quite cheap ones now where you can still use your 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 smartphone. I won't. You know, we won't we won't kind of shoehorn to different models. We'll go smartphone or even tablet. I guess if you're really middle class and you bring in a tablet to a game, wow. You know, I, I wore fingerless gloves for every round of the FA Cup when we got to the semi final, and so I thought it was superstition. I had to wear them even in the semi final. How hot it was! So I was there with my um, with my white shirt, shorts, and fingerless gloves on. You do have an, uh, you do have a bit of a step toe quality about you, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> shit, did you ever have those what those English gloves where you? Um, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure I saw some of these the English gloves where you could like pull the mitten part of it over you over your end of your fingers. Oh no, no, I never went that far. I don't That's... believe you. <laughs> no, well, was, um, before we get to, uh... um... <laughs> God, sorry, Ed. before we, uh, uh, so there must be the dragons in Massive tangent. Uh, to bring it back to football, quick mention for um, Wolves uh, women who uh, drew 2-2 with Burnley um, today um, in the afternoon kickoff. They're romping their league. I believe it's the third tier of, um, of, of women's football and with promotion would put them in the um, the championship, like one league below the WSL, which would just be amazing. The, the rise for Wolves women has really been um, something, something special over the last few seasons. Um, the Wolves women, Wolves women podcast as well is doing really, really great work there. So, as obviously, if you can make it to some of the games um, for them, um, a lot of the times they are on a Sunday when we aren't playing as well. So, there's no need to um, draw your lines in the sand there. Go and support Wolves women as well. Um, so, just going to go to Twitter corner to finish. Um, so, we've had a few questions from um, our Twitter base. Uh, the first one from uh, Dean Marsden. From fellow Framcastians, who would you pick as your phone a friend on who wants to be a millionaire? I've been to a pub quiz with Andy and his um his knowledge, whilst very niche, is very um useful to have because if you're thrown a, a curveball, um he's gonna know the answer, which which is quite good. Who would you guys pick as your phone a friend um on who wants to be a millionaire? I think I'd just go with Blake. He could be a wild card. You never know. You never know yeah. what the man knows. <laughs> um, I've been I've been thinking about because I, I I didn't. I was gonna say it sounds really bad. I didn't initially think Andy, but the thought process of you want someone who's got sort of a bit of a niche knowledge area. Mm-hmm. Maybe Gully. I reckon Gully would be all right on a pub quiz. You know. I mean, if it's got anything to do with beards, uh, anything flannel or played, uh, <laughs> or anything remotely hipster, then Andy is the choice for me. Would you agree with that, Stu? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 
anything anything with skinny jeans or anything like that he's nailed on a eh? I mean I, I, I'd cheat and just give it uh, our former leader Dave because Dave seems to know a lot about things and he seems posher than us so we, by that by that thinking that he'll know more that's fair that's absolutely fair so moving on to the uh, next question um, from uh, Twitter Corner, Stuart Jones wants to know, do you think that our previous ways of playing negative is creeping into our players thinking in-game or is it actually what he, Bruno, wants us to be like? Kind of mentioned that a little bit earlier, really. Um, so to kind of answer that one in summary, I think it's more to do with the personnel at his disposal, really, as opposed to yeah. him actually wanting us to play in this sort of semi-negative way. Uh, so I think... Yeah, we've kind of already already touched that one though. But thank you, Stu. Um, I was going to say, next, I think it would be. I was going to say, I think it will be interesting to sort of see. Uh, I think we'd all probably happily say the first three games of the season where we did play our most attacking football were on paper our three hardest games at the start of the season, and it almost feels like playing lesser caliber opposition. We we've been playing a different style. It'll be interesting when we kind of. I, I can't remember the next like top six team we're playing, but you know, let's say when we come across somebody like Liverpool, how will we play? Um, and it, yeah, I think that's going to be your true test to sort of see when we're up against um, the, the traditional um, higher caliber teams, how we're going to match up against them at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Baltimore Wolves uh, wants to know, uh, the US broadcasters of the Premier League had a fan fest this weekend with celebs, including two WWE stars appearing to support their teams. I know we've got uh, Sinkara, but which WWE or F star, past or present, would you like to persuade to be a Wolves fan? Um, for me, it'd have to be Papa Shango, so, have, <laughs> so we could have some form of uh, vo- voodoo on our opposition when things aren't really going our way, I suppose. I mean, that's 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 got to be a possibility. Maybe Mr. Fuji to throw some salt in the eyes of uh, of an opposition. I'm not sure. Anybody want to have an advance on that? I think I'm probably the the, the biggest wrestling virgin on this uh, as a foursome here, but any others? Uh, the only ones I can think of are the, the traditional big names, and I'm like trying to work out if I can get like a pun out of one of them. So give me a second. I'm trying to wonder you know, if it'd be if it'd be socially acceptable these days if you could have uh, the Godfather <laughs> with all with all the hoes come down. The hoe train <laughs> on at half time. Exactly, yeah. We'll probably we'll probably you'd probably get hounded out within the nowadays. You know, I'd automatically say Bobby Roode just so that we could have Glorious to walk out to. That'd be amazing. That would be good. To be fair, that is a very good song. Rich, have you uh, have you thought of a pun yet? Or are we going to leave you? High okay, and dry on so this one? the ones I've got. Um, so we've got Stone Cold Steve Boston. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, the other one I was thinking, if, if we had like Triple H, and it would like Quanky, Quanky Chan, me, of course, and then um, we must have another player beginning with H. Who I can't remember. I'm, I say another player like I, I'm involved. Um, Henry, of course, um, best there. James, Hen- yeah, James Henry, me, Huang, and James Henry, and like we'd like come out for like Triple H. I'm really showing my wrestling knowledge here, aren't I? Yeah, and also, I know well. Triple H is quite a good wrestler, him and The Undertaker. I like it, I like it. Thank you very much. Have we got one more? We uh, do have one more. It's a former fan casting, I believe. Alex Moore wants to know, which TV show would you rather go on, Deal or No Deal, Tipping Point, or Hole in the Wall? Uh, it's got to be Deal or No Deal, hasn't it? No, you, you you don't need to know a single thing to go on Deal or No Deal. Um, where you've got to have agility for Hole in the Wall, and you've got to be able to answer general knowledge for Tipping Point. Mm. Someone is uh, what uh, Hole in the Wall is. It used to be, it's that thing where you have to make shapes and a wall, a, a polystyrene wall comes towards you. It used to be held, hosted by Dale Winton, RIP. Mm. Um, is, it, is it Antoine de Beck now? Who hosts yeah, I think, it? I, think, he had, I think he had it for a bit. Yeah. Obviously, do or no do, just to meet Noel Edmonds, because he seems like a, a kind of mad bloke, so that'd be the answer. What would be your, what would be your tap out money if you were, if you, if the banker offered you 70 grand but you still had 250 on the table are you taking the 70 grand and running or are you are you are you gambling um what what's the other option now 
what are the, the what what do, what do you think's left? Uh, a fiver. Oh, you take it. Take it all day long. Hmm. Interesting. See, I'm stupid. I I still push for two fifty because I'm greedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of. And I go home. I'm trying to think. I know they're very very different players. You've got Ungolo Kante as the two fifty, but you've been offered Renato Sanchez, or you could end up having to play. Um, a midfield three of all Dendonkers as your other end. What are you going for? <laughs> are you pushing on for Angola Kante? Anything but Dendonkers. So, yeah. <laughs> You're taking Sanchez in, fair enough. Um, on that note, then, that is the end of um, Twitter Corner. Thank you very much for sending in your um, questions, as always, everybody. Much appreciated. Um, so, thank you very much for listening. Um, we are here, as always, with um, our podcast post-game. But there is a plethora of um, content, including Fancast Friday and Gully's uh, GTA series as well, amongst other um, bits and bobs that we have over our social media platforms. We just want to thank uh, 90 Minute for um, their support, as well as the Sports Shop Kings Winford. Um, and thank you guys, especially uh, guys and girls, for listening um, to the podcast. So thank you very much. So from, uh, from Rich, would you like to say goodbye to everybody? Goodbye, everyone. Adam. See you later, guys. And Stu. Yeah. And for me, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week.